Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello. Hi. Welcome back to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and early 2000s. I am one of your co-hosts, Margot Poupard. And I am your other co-host, Emily Beijing. And so rarely are we afforded in our nostalgia-based podcast the opportunity to not only speak on events and pop culture topics near and dear to our hearts from a long time ago, but also current events. Yes. Things that are happening right now. Like I had told you in the week that it took to research and write up this episode, I had to update my notes three times. That never happens. I'm not getting like an update about what's happening with MySpace, unless we want to count Tom's Instagram page, but... Lovely as it is. Right. I mean, beautiful photos. Some look fake, as I'd pointed out in the blog, but... (laughs) Because we do have a blog now. uh, Check out our Medium page. Thank you. At Old Millennials Pod. Anyway, where I also talk about, oh no, they didn't, a wonderful news and pop culture website. (laughs) I, I made a... Not a very good case, but a semi-passionate case about how it's the most unbiased platform that you can have. And I was frequently checking it for more updates on the very topic that we're going to discuss today. Something that we both love, something that we might have bought a particular streaming service for, but now are really upset with what's about to happen. I'm beyond angry. We're going to talk about Lizzie McGuire today. See, we had sometimes, you know, what's that saying? Like, you make a plan, God laughs or something. And then yeah. sometimes he, like, closes the door and then opens a window or whatever. Hopefully I'm not sure. window is Hulu. Yeah, I'm not sure which analogy applies, but we already had planned that we were going to do, since there is Disney Plus now, we are talking about Disney. We were going to do a Disney Channel, like, Originals episode, but then the more that we thought about it, and also because of current events, the more the time it pressed on, we realized we just need to really, instead of making an hour and a half long podcast, let's make a 48 minute long podcast where we talk about one topic exhaustively, and we're going to do it with Lizzie McGuire because we just couldn't ignore it anymore. People are texting us. People are texting us, and what's incredible to me is that there is more behind the scenes juice, gossip, whatever you want to call it right now than there ever was when we tried to do a walk down memory lane as we were doing our research like we both tried to find a bunch of behind the scenes stuff we found some but really what's been the most interesting is the behind the scene the behind the scenes drama that has unfolded as the announcement has come out that the showrunner um terry minsky had left well, she hadn't left. She got fired. She got fired. But Sorry. we can we can get we can get. We'll get there. more into that later. Um, how do you want to do this? I mean, like, let's just start at the top. I guess let's start with what's uh, yeah, currently for sure. happening. For sure. Uh, so Lizzie McGuire was Disney's first bona fide TV hit for a time it defined the channel, and thanks to its popularity among tween demographics, that you know, if you are in your 30s currently, you were included in that, and maybe a couple years younger than that. It also became a huge pop culture phenomenon. So in an age of reboot nostalgia, Disney Plus, when announcing their new streaming service, because we're also in a streaming war because everything, everything. is the worst all of the time. Everything. It's like the browser war of the 90s. Like, But somehow just, but more overwhelming. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess in the end, someone's going to have to be the Internet Explorer, but 
because we're in the thick of it. We have no idea who it's going to be. It might be HBO Max. We, we'll, we're about to find out. Yeah. But back in August, when they announced that they were going to be doing a streaming service, they also announced a slate of concurrently produced shows that are going to be happening by the time of launch. And so there were things like questionable live action movies like that Lady and the Tramp remake that was completely unnecessary and not, also not looked yeah. deeply unsettling. Yeah, and that not, was like what was going to be what was launching with the streaming app. But also later on down the line, the only thing that mattered and the only reason if you are a woman between the ages of 28 and 34, yeah. the only reason why you buy this godforsaken app is because Lizzie McGuire is coming back. So production for Lizzie McGuire, the new class or whatever we want to call it, what, what, what would you call it? Because I... The Maguires. <laughs> no, like what would be like the sequel to it? It'd be like no, I... Lizzie McGuire colon like City Tales or... I mean, personally, <laughs> as somebody who watched one whole season of Younger, I did feel like her character on Younger was a continuation For of sure. Lizzie McGuire sure. in some ways. And I mean, it makes so much sense. Like Darren, it, it's Darren Starr who created Younger mm-hmm. and yes. it does feel like a sex in the city for our times. Instead of being all in Manhattan, they're in Brooklyn. Like, there's just a lot of it that felt exactly like what Lizzie McGuire's life would be like. Right. And some of Lizzie McGuire was, you know, Sex in the City for preteens in some yeah, ways. It, yeah. Because it dealt with things that you could relate to right now. Yeah. So, production for Lizzie McGuire 2.0 began in November with Terry Minsky, the original creator and showrunner, along with Hilary Duff and an impressive amount of original cast. They even got Gordo. Right. Who we had done a deep dive independent oh, of this even happening. Oh, I have his pa- LinkedIn page in here. <laughs> right. I mean, the last I checked before he started, he had not acted in a long time, was nope. living in New York, and was basically working for like a Jewish nonprofit the last Irish, try Irish American. Irish American. Okay. <laughs> he is Jewish, e- but, but equally as confounding. Just like, oh, okay. Oh, right. Because there was that photo of him from like a St. Patrick's Day parade <laughs> where I was like, what am I, e- I can't even wrap my mind around what I'm looking at. Anyway, they shot two episodes, and then they abruptly fired Minsky while Duff was on her honeymoon. That move came, that move came across as strategic and extremely shady since it's well known that Duff and Minsky have a very close working relationship. The show has entered hiatus ever since then, which was back in January when Minsky was originally fired, and dribs and drabs of official statements and gossip have come out as to what sent the show off the rails. So as I had said earlier, in the week leading up to recording this episode, the tides had turned in three significant ways that we found out three big things. One, Hillary Duff finally addressed the show going on hiatus in an Instagram live or Instagram story. Yeah. Where she basically says that she wants the show to go to Hulu, like Love Simon's spinoff, Love Victor. Which was deemed like not family friendly enough for Disney Plus, Mm -hmm. which like, fuck you Disney for not acknowledging gay people exist. Or I just would love to see like, what is their checklist of what constitutes something being family friendly? Because (sighs) Clearly, it's not PG-13 yeah. topics, which were sort of what even was going on in Lizzie McGuire, the OG. I was going you're going to talk about it probably, but there are definitely in my research that came up too, there's several, several plot lines that were controversial for Disney to even think about airing at the time. Well, it was like a huge brawl. I don't have it written down, but it was a huge brawl just to get the bra shopping episode Yeah, that's episode exactly the care. one I was thinking of. Anyway, so she had made an announcement basically saying, you know. She's in her 30s now. I understand it's not family friendly, but I'm begging you, Disney Plus, like, release us from this prison and send us over to Hulu, which they also own, like, a 50% stake in. Okay, the second big thing to in- What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I think Hulu would be the perfect place for it just because um, the last year or two, they've really shown themselves with, like, 
early 30-something shows. Oh, yeah, with, like, Shrill, Shrill and Pen15. And Rami, 15. Pen15. 15. Like, all of these shows, I think, have done a really great job expanding the narrative on, like, a, you know, young, old millennial, whatever you want to call it, but but really good narratives that I think they would do the show justice. Go on. And then what was that <laughs> other show that, sorry, uh, that launched with Hulu as, like, an original, well, as an original series? It was, like, Casual or yeah, something? Yeah, Casual, which I actually really enjoyed. I think it was their first original. Mm-hmm. Um, it's before, like... Handmaiden's Tale and a couple yes, of others yes. put them on the map for the awards circuit, but casual, but it was always like well reviewed, right? And I really love um, Michaela Bartlett. I think is her name, um, yes, or Michaela Barrett. Yeah, she's fantastic in everything she's in. Um, I really like Thomas Dewey in it as well. I I, I really enjoyed that show. But yeah, I, I've always found that Hulu does a really good job with their shows. Um, they they yeah, I'm I'm happy. I really really hope that I they think it would be a great perfect fit, network, and yeah. I think it would do for really streaming. well. Yeah. It could be their, like, Gilmore Girls revival, but good. But good. <laughs> but good. The revival we thought we wanted, but should have never gotten. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, so the second piece of information that's come out in the last week is that the official plot for the Lizzie McGuire show has come out, which was, it goes a little something like this. Fifteen years later, Lizzie is turning 30 years old and living in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York City. Well, obviously, I copy-pasted this because I would never say New York City because I'm not in a rom-com. <laughs> Uh, Lizzie works as an apprentice to an interior decorator and is engaged to a man who owns a restaurant in Soho, Manhattan. Lizzie is then forced to leave Brooklyn to return to Los Angeles. And the third, probably most damning and interesting thing, well, damning for Disney, but interesting for us, is that they had problems with, Disney had problems with the very first episode because it featured sex and the theme about cheating. So... When Duff had signed on, she actually gave quite a good interview where she essentially distilled her entire reason for wanting to center on the show. She goes on to say, for me, coming back when she's, 30, when she's 30 years old and not in a marriage and she's not having a baby and she's not doing all the things that I've already done in my life, that is a story that's really exciting for me. I think to myself, where can we go? What are the struggles of a 30-year-old right now? And what are the pressures that life throws at a woman who is 30 and doesn't have all of those things yet? For me, that's Lizzie McGuire. But apparently for Disney, to be a woman in your 30s and you aren't married with kids, especially if you're cheating, that's not family friendly. Um, She has to be a nun, duh. Or Maddie from The Bachelor. I mean, all of those are fair points, but what did you expect? Not everything could or should fit into Disney's sanitized reality. I mean, it's taken, I believe Lena Waithe's character in the latest Pixar movie will be the first openly gay character ever featured in a Disney movie. And they made her character a fucking Cyclops. So, and like, these are, like, I feel like there are things like like that where you're like, yes, that's progress, but also they're like, yeah, but we have to make them very other in another way as well. And you can read hundreds of think pieces online about how you know disney will code people characters gay in their movies you know 50 years ago even well there are so many discussions about i mean beauty and the beast but mostly because that's my favorite disney movie yeah it's just ridiculous it doesn't matter if it's fucking coded or not because it doesn't mean shit at the end of the day unless it's blatantly this is a person who is gay or just anywhere on the lgbtq spectrum disney i i you know it's interesting to me because for, in some ways, I think they have sometimes been, well, actually, no, they've never been progressive. You will be able to scratch all of this. Yeah. Disney, I, I, it's interesting to me that they continue to pretend that the LGBTQ community doesn't exist. Or that anything outside of the standard, yeah. if you're of a certain age, you are married, you have children, you are settled down, you own a house. It is right. all very leave it to beaver, which is why I find it so interesting that they rebooted Lizzie McGuire, who has never really been 
there's a whole New York Times article from 2002 that I was reading where they talked to Steven Tyler, who begged to be Santa Claus on the show because his daughters at the time, when because they, oh, they were yeah. 10 and 13, loved, were obsessed with the show. And he, in, in exchange, fell in love with the show, too. He thought it was so charming that it was very progressive for tweens to be talking so frankly and openly about what it's like to be in middle school. And so when Disney and Aerosmith's people talked to each other, he ended up being Santa Claus. He brought his daughters as extras. And that was very interesting that throughout the interview, Steven Tyler talks about how it is the antithesis of Leave it to Beaver or, like, the Patty Duke show. Like, she has personality. You see her struggle to find her identity. Like, you get to get in there she, with her. She has so I think that it's friends throughout entire middle school. She and I think it's absolutely everything. insane for you to expect a character who was progressive at the time in 2001, 2002 would not be a progressive character in 2020. Like, that's absolutely obscene. And so if you have a problem with her being a regular, multifaceted, dimensional character and person, too. I mean, like, Hilary Duff's life between Lizzie McGuire and now has not followed a traditional path. So I, I just think that it is just absolutely insane that you would punish a creator and the star who have been nothing but great ambassadors for great. the legacy of Lizzie McGuire and then punish them in this way where I, I don't want to, I personally don't want to watch any version of Lizzie McGuire that doesn't involve Terry Minsky. She created the Andy Mack show after, not the Andy Mack show, Andy Mack after Lizzie McGuire, which dealt with a girl who was, like, in middle school, her sister comes home from college, and she's a lesbian, or she's yeah. gay, like, she's having identity issues, and it forces Andy to, like, kind of re-examine her expectations of other people, how how she's trying to figure herself out, how it's, like, a transformative time, and so, and she's won, I wouldn't, not a Peabody, but she's won, like, a GLAAD award, she's won Emmys, because she's a sensitive, thoughtful writer, and so, to kick her off the show... It, it just the whole thing is just really really gross and anybody else who's going to come on the show i kind of find it hard to believe that hillary duff would stay signed on for that kind of stuff no no she seems to be really into sticking to the integrity of that show as well i think for her it's it is important to keep that character honest and and realistic like it's it's this isn't meant to be you know girl meets world but they already had girls meet girl meets world and they also canceled that right and so i just i think that this to me also highlights a bigger problem that i have with disney in general owning so much IP, whether right. it be stuff that they had acquired or things that they own originally, like Liz McGuire, because it really just hampers creativity and originality, because all that they do, all that they're doing now is ruining the legacy of, legacy of things that people have already loved, like Liz McGuire, like Star well, Wars, my other biggest, by needing all of it to fit into the same Disney here's box. Here's my other big problem with this, is Disney is first, the first to be like, oh no, we can't show a, a storyline where it's implied that this person has had sex, because God forbid, she's a 30-year-old woman. But, when it comes to looking at any of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, Star Wars, anything, what have you, it is violence central. So they're very comfortable with allowing all sorts of violence. I wouldn't depictions. say that it's actually even that violent, Not, to be honest, but, because it's a lot of, I mean, it's all PG. It all PG, needs to be PG. It it's like you cut away from it. It's just like every like sex scene in a, in a PG-13 rom-com. It's like you see the beginning, you cut away, you cut to the next yeah, day. I and I think, think a lot of the are, fight scenes are, are like liberal, that. But fairly, for the most part, though, they cut away, yes, but there is going to be more shown on the gore violence spectrum than there will be in the other sec in any sort of what they want to call quote-unquote adult situation and from a technical standpoint one last thing i will say about this i feel like most uh streaming apps have some sort of like parental control like netflix of apps. course so what one of the things i remember just reading, like your first, fucking tv exactly, could do that 
for I remember one of the first things that people said in a lot of tech blogs when Disney Plus came out, they gave it a really shitty review because it was not up to par. Considering how long they had spent developing the streaming sure, service yeah. and the promising with it. But did they, they spend they, a lot of time? I feel but, like they didn't. It felt very and rushed. And maybe that was it, is that they was so rushed that they didn't think through, okay, how do we categorize some of this? How are we able to have a streaming service that works for everyone and stop, you know, thinking of ourselves as just because the Disney name is on it doesn't mean that we can't have content that suits anyone regardless of their age. And it feels to me like it was a little half-baked. And I wonder, is there even like a parental control on Disney Plus? I don't think so. I couldn't tell you. But I don't use the I, service. I used it once or twice when I was home for Christmas because we have it for free because my dad has a Verizon plan that allows us to have it. But I sure as shit don't want to pay for it now. Of course not. After I, all of this. This would be the only reason I would want to even consider paying right. for it would be for this reboot. But thank God Hillary Duff went on Instagram and said, Lizzie going to catch some dick on this program or I'm not fucking doing it. And we stand in solidarity with Hillary we Duff. We do. We do. But now on to more pleasant, carefree times. Because like Don Draper, we all just love the beginning of things. Lizzie McGuire was created by Terry Minsky and premiered on the Disney Channel January 12th, 2001, it followed the premiere of an excellent Disney original movie, Xenon the Sequel. Oh, amazing. Whom my roommate's old girlfriend's father wrote. And when I found out he wrote Xenon, Girl of the 21st Century, Xenon the Sequel, and A Troll in Central Park, please believe I lost my whole mind. The show ran daily, which I did not realize, at 7.30 on the Disney Channel and was number one among six to 14 year olds and ran for 65 episodes. The series finale ended um the series finale had aired on Valentine's Day in 2004. Prior to Lizzie McGuire, Terry Minsky had created the Gina Davis show where Gina Davis falls in love with a man who lives in the suburbs and has two kids and she's a glamorous Manhattan party planner. She also wrote one of the best Sex and the City episodes, the baby shower episode. I was just rewatching that this week. Like coincidentally just decided to start watching Shayla. Sex and the- yeah, Shayla. <laughs> oh god, poor Charlotte. <laughs> Uh, Terry Minsky has also worked on the TV movie of Clarissa Explains It All. So Lizzie McGuire stars Hilary Duff as the 13-year-old titular character as she navigates personal and social issues around being a middle schooler with her best friends, Miranda and Gordo. She is sometimes accompanied by her animated version of herself who expresses her innermost thoughts and emotions. Um, I always loved all of her asides whenever her dad tried to ask her a question. She's like, ugh, dad. I always thought that was hilarious. (laughs) Episodes depicted Lizzie's transition into adolescence at home and at school and also included things that you could expect any middle schooler to go through, like having a rivalry, having a crush. Lizzie tries to find her own identity, but also is obsessed a little bit with the idea of being popular at school, and like many tweens, just simply wants to be accepted by all of her peers. Lizzie is also close to her family, and they meddle in her life. You have her mom, Joe, her dad, Sam, and her little brother, Matt, who is a pain in the ass. As we get into some of the characters, as you know, Hilary Duff played Lizzie McGuire, who was a shy, clumsy girl, but what I think is the funniest that I completely forgot was that she was also into rhythmic gymnastics. Yes, that's a great episode with Dot Marie Jones as the coach. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. Uh, and she ends up being the coach on Glee like 10 years later, the other football coach. Oh, I didn't watch Glee, so yeah. I trust that you know exactly what you're talking I about. I watched the first two seasons, the only good seasons. Lulaine <laughs> is Miranda Sanchez, Lizzie's best friend and confidant who has a talent for singing and dreams of being a musician. Adam Lamberg, who we had mentioned briefly at the top of the pod, is David Gordo Gordon, Lizzie's childhood best friend, 
who has a passion for filmmaking and plays hacky sack, which that was the first time I'd ever seen somebody play hacky sack was on the Lizzie McGuire show. Wait, really? Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, I guess it was popular, but I never watched anybody actually play it. It was just sort of like a thing that was a punchline to a joke, like patchouli, because we had, (laughs) in middle school, we had like a hippie art and history teacher, and she wore a lot of patchouli, and she also explained to us what a ducktail hairdo was, which I had never known. Oh, right. She was like your quintessential art teacher. She was sort of like Judy in Doug, but like all grown up. Anyway. <laughs> um, so hacky sacks, much like patchouli, was just like a punchline to a joke when we were in middle school. So I didn't really realize what it was or something that you could play until I saw it on the show. He later develops a crush on Lizzie, which we all shipped. And ho- well, I actually hoped that in the reboot of Lizzie McGuire that she would well, in sort of, like, the description, it kind of goes into what I was hoping was that she would either hook up with or possibly cheat on who, whoever she's with to hook up with Gordo because who among us hasn't hooked up with a weird childhood crush in our adulthood? <laughs> if you haven't, then you are absolutely lying. <laughs> he and Lizzie bicker, but they deeply care about each other. Haley Todd is Joe McGuire, who is Lizzie's mom, who sometimes struggles with the pressure of raising a teenage daughter, which is... Uh, well, I feel like the bra shopping episode is probably, like, the best yeah, example of that, sure, where she's trying sure. to be, like, the cool mom who wants to respect your boundaries, but of course she's still your mom, and you have to think that even though, and I think the show kind of does a really good job balancing this, probably because Terry Minsky also had two teenage daughters of her own, of trying to respect your daughter's boundaries, but also it's a transition for you, too. They're going from a child to a teen, and that can be messy and complicated, and yeah. I love how... Lizzie McGuire always constantly demystified or unglamorized any sort of notion that your tweenhood dumb was cute or going well by any measure of the imagination. It was really refreshing to see a realistic relationship between a parent and kid. Yes. That, like, you know, there could be this caring aspect, but there was also the tension of, like, I have my privacy, I need my privacy, please stop just barging in. Also, I need a bra. (laughs) And I would also say they did a good job of showing that conflict doesn't have to end in never speaking to a person again or some sort of seismic shift in your relationship. Sometimes you just get into an argument, you apologize, and you move on. And I think they did a really good job of sort of normalizing the fact that everybody has disagreements, whether it's your family or your friends, and you can find a way to get back together. Because I think there were also disagreements between her and Miranda that always broke my heart or anytime. Her and Gordo had an argument that took it too far. You always knew that they'd find a way to be friends again. Robert Carradine, like we were talking earlier, <laughs> plays Sam, Lizzie's father, who sometimes also struggles with the pressure of raising a teen daughter, which, you know, they do a really good job of showing the flip side of the mother-daughter relationship with the yeah. father-daughter relationship. He's such a good dad. Like, he like, is. Like, he, he plays a good dad <laughs> he kind of reminds me of like tommy pickles dad if he was like a yeah. real person oh, Stu pickles mm-hmm. thank you ashley brillalt plays kate sanders the popular girl at school who was formerly the best friend of lizzie and miranda who is now their frenemy who is at the center of a lot of arguments i feel like she was also a great villain in the sense oh, that excellent everybody has that nemesis in middle school who's like spreads a rumor that you like don't brush your hair or something and, and it just ruins your life for exactly six for, months. yeah or not even like no, it, feels like, like, it feels it like feels like six months like six but months. it's like two weeks it's two weeks until the gossip cycle churns again but you still remember it like when you're in therapy 15, <laughs> 20 years later you're like, were oh. you unpacking something with mary this week that um, you want to get into a couple months ago 
Oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, some of that shit, like, kind of haunts you. It just comes back, and you're like, oh, wow, this impacted me so much more than I thought it would ever 20 years later. I mean, I, I don't believe I've ever talked about this in therapy, but there is a moment in seventh grade health that stayed with me where we learned about STDs and how they can spread, which feels relevant right now to in the current climate um, outside of Lizzie McGuire. Uh, and so we all had like cups of liquid and one person in our, in our group and nobody knew, nobody knew who, so you couldn't avoid it. One person had AIDS and we were all going to have sex with each other, quote unquote, by oh, pouring liquids. Pens. Yes. Yeah. Pouring liquids into each other's cups. Yep. And at the end, we'd find out who had AIDS and it was this kid Rory who like, you know, when he's just that person that like all of the bad shit always happens oh, to, like no. he gets shadow. Like he turned out to kind of be a creep who semi stalked Marion, but that's a tale for a different time. But all of like, and I feel like maybe his negative middle school experience might've compounded some other weird feelings. Sure. But he was the one who ended up with AIDS. Oh no. But it was interesting to see how quickly it spreads. You're like, you sleep with like 17 people because yeah. there were like 25 of us. You sleep with a bunch of people. You could just end up with, I think I ended up with like chlamydia. We did that in religion class with pen marks. Of course. 10 years of Catholic school. Anyway. <laughs> and we're still talking about it now. We're still talking about it. Clayton Snyder played Ethan Kraft, who was the friendly, popular guy that Lizzie and Miranda and Kate all had crushes on. So a lot of their frenemy um, debates <laughs> is kind of centered around their crush on Ethan Kraft, which as somebody who once had my middle school frenemy come up to me after she broke up with the dude that everybody liked and said, you can have him now. I understood this. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Downs was Larry Trudgman III, the stereotypical geek who was treated like an outcast. He was our Rory, and he had a crush on Miranda. Oh, yeah. There are a couple other characters, but I'm not going to get into that because I'm going to go straight into the origin, which is much more interesting. So in 2000, Hilary Duff was asked to audition for the role back when it had the working title of What's Lizzie Thinking? After Duff successfully auditioned for the titular character of Lizzie, she then later told people that she was just described as a regular teenager. The premise of the series was based on a script previously written by Minsky, which featured a main character's inner thoughts and emotions as narration. But when they brought on producer Stan Rogow, he conceived a high-concept version of the script, which there was, which included an animated version of the character that would convey all of these thoughts. So the concept later became known as Animated Lizzie, and obviously was also voiced by Duff. But Rogow notes that the film Run Lola Run served as yes. a bit of inspiration for the crafting of quote-unquote animated Lizzie. And a, and a Disney development exec gave the whole thing a green light by basically saying that this new audience that they were targeting, they were really used to things like popping in and out and like being a cartoon and mixing with live action because we oh, all... Sesame Street. No, because we all were on AIM chat and so we wanted what? things to we wanted things to be dynamic and changing all the time. Again, it's in that New York Times article with Steven Tyler that I was telling you about oh earlier. God. So also this sounds exactly like something an exec would say today, except oh, just sure. swap in TikTok for uh, AIM chat. TikTok teams Give me, love it. Oh TikTok. Did you see oh no, I meant to send you that meme that was all the golden girls sitting around a table and it's, the caption is what it's like explaining TikTok to your friends in your 30s, and I felt that. So Lillane's character, Miranda, did not appear in the last several episodes of the second season or the Lizzie McGuire movie because Lillane was working on other projects like the movie You Wish and also working on her recording career. 
Filming for the movie and the series concluded in December of 2002 after 65 episodes, which I later found out was the standard limit for Disney Channel series. In May of 2003, it was revealed, though, that Lizzie McGuire would end, and they wanted to spin it off into, like, Lizzie McGuire colon high school, but there were rumors that Hilary Duff wanted too much money or that she was just offered better deals with other studios, and so the whole thing kind of fell apart. After the series ended its original run, Disney Channel also considered producing What's Stevie Thinking, what, which is something that you're going to talk about, which was centered around Miranda's younger sister, but it was never picked up. Throughout the show's heyday in the 2000s, the popularity led to so much merchandise, including a series of books, a Lizzie McGuire doll, a bedroom set, board. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Games, video games, two soundtracks, Lizzie McGuire and Lizzie McGuire Total Party, plus a limited to back-to-school collection and later a similar collaboration with Kohl's. Toys were also released through a partnership with McDonald's in 2004, and Fortune in 2003 estimated that Lizzie McGuire merchandise earned almost $100 million. The series itself was nominated for two Emmys in 2003 and 2004 for Most Outstanding Children's Program. The pilot received a nomination for the Writers Guild of America for Best Children's Script, and the series had also received various awards and nominations like the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Award and was extremely popular from 2002 to 2005. And similar to what would now be considered like a Facebook group, had also spawned a ton of independent, not related at all to Disney Channel, chat room forums where people would talk about Lizzie McGuire nonstop, have fan fiction about Lizzie and Gordo, all of the hits. So a couple of little fun tidbits from behind the scenes before I wrap up the show and you get into the movie and what's Stevie thinking. There's a rumor that Hilary Duff quit almost one week before shooting of the original show. Sarah Paxton was considered for the role of Lizzie before Hilary Duff even auditioned. And Paxton ended up making a guest cameo for the election episode, also known as Lizzie for President, which I recall very well. According to a magazine poll that came out, well, it's a magazine that you wouldn't know, which is why I'm just glossing over magazine, but in 2015, it was, there was a poll released saying that the greatest show in the history of television was Lizzie McGuire. Hey, it's not a lie. It's, I mean, it I may not like, be a hundred percent true. I mean, it depends on who you're asking and like, I don't know, you know, it's like, <laughs> there are probably categories to it, right? Like, so it's just sort of like broad. But it won that poll from Watch and Listen magazine, which probably doesn't exist. But here, I saved my favorite tidbit for last. Lindsay Lohan was also considered for the role of Lizzie. Uh, but this was also like parent trap yeah, time. Yeah, so. she had a lot, of, a lot of coals in the fire, you know? So I did some research on the Lizzie McGuire movie, which was released on May 2nd, 2003. What's interesting about this is it acted as the finale of the TV show, but the final episodes of Lizzie McGuire didn't air until early 2004. So it's kind of weird. The movie came out before the last episode of the show. So she essentially graduated uh, middle school before she finished middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I think Dizzy kind of squeezed it out probably to get, you know, viewership. Because at that time, I think they were, you know, hoping to hold on to this as much as long as they could. Um, I just tried to find out more about that, and that's really my perception. There's nothing really else about that. 
Um, the movie was directed by Jim Fell, who's best known for a bunch of TV movies and all of the like lifetime hallmark. So this includes Wedding Wars, Holiday Engagement, which I'm pretty sure one of us potentially watched. Which for- one? Holiday engagement. I think it might have been one of our options, like when we quiz each oh, other yes, for yes, Hallmark yes. movies. No, I was just trying to remember if you would watch it or if no, I'd watch it, I since don't... all of the Hallmark movies have like essentially the same name. Pretty much. And then Kristen's Christmas Pass, which I think was a lifetime <laughs> one. It was also Who's produced. Kristen? <laughs> I thought it would be Kristen Chenoweth, but it wasn't. It was just some random. The main character in this. It was movie. just a random yeah. Kristen. The show, the movie was produced by show producer Stan Rogow uh, and written by Su- Susan Estelle Jansen, also one of the show producers, along with Ed Dechter and John De- J. Strauss. Dechter and Strauss are also known for co-writing There's Something About Mary, which, okay. wow, head over heels, that Freddie Prince Jr. movie with Monica Potter. Oh, with the, the models. models. Yep. The Santa Claus 2, The Santa Claus <laughs> 3. Oh no! And you again, which is with uh, Kristen Bell and um and and Sigourney Weaver and Betty White and Odette. What's her name? Oh oh oh! oh. oh. Was that the one where they all have like a feud from high yeah, school? Yeah 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 yeah. Yep. Wow, why do I know that? They were also writers and producers for In Plain Sight and Boy Meets World. And okay. Strauss is responsible for coming up with the name Tobango, which he named after Topanga Canyon, obviously. Oh, I actually had always wondered that, and I actually truly did not know. And now you know. Mm, great. Yep. Had a hunch. <laughs> Film currently holds a 41% score on Rotten Tomatoes Aww. and grossed over $55 million. But 100% in our heart. And 100% in our heart. $55 million at the box office on a $17 million budget. And to be fair, like, on the rewatch of this, I it does kind of scream like this could have been a Disney Channel original movie, but someone threw a lot of money at it. Noticeable people who are in the movie are, of course, Miranda, which we'll get into, along with Matt's telepathic friend, Lanny, then Lizzie's classmates, Larry Chudgman, and Kate's best friend, Claire, who's another mean girl on the show. So the plot is that Lizzie is graduating from middle school along with Gordo and Miranda, who is absent from graduation and this whole movie because apparently she's on an extended family trip to Mexico. Oh, right. Yeah, that was the shakiest reasoning of them all. More on that later. (laughs) After graduation, Lizzie, along with Gordo, Ethan Kraft, Kate Saunders, and some other classmates embark on a trip to Rome with their chaperone, who happens to be their future high school principal. What? Her name is Angela Ungermeyer, and she's played by one of our queens, Alex Borstein, from Marvelous Miss Emmy Award-winning queen, Alex Borstein, from Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Family Guy, I mean, the list list goes goes on on and on. Just comedy genius. Comedy genius. Um, Yes, I'm glad you checked yourself and said Emmy Award-winning. Emmy Award. And Golden Globe, too. As part of sleeping arrangements, Lizzie and Kate are assigned to to the same hotel room. (laughs) Which makes things uncomfortable because, of course, Kate is used to be Lizzie's best friend. Upon visiting the Trevi Fountain during their tour, where Lizzie makes a wish, she is approached by an Italian pop star named Paolo, played by Yanni Gelman, who I was hoping had been in other things, but he's one of those kind of can-con actors, we call them, that have only really been in a lot of Canadian things. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, and, and then a couple of shows here and there, but really hasn't taken, career hasn't taken off since. He mistakes her for his singing partner, Isabella, because they look exactly alike apart from hair color. Paolo asks, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm laughing oh, yeah. because did you ever, I'm sorry, just a real quick aside. Did you ever see that 
Trisha Paytas video yes. where she played both parts yes, yes. from the, the the iconic scene at the um, end of the movie. Of course. And and honestly, now it like replaces that scene from the movie. Like I just, just picture Trisha Trish Paytas. Paytas who, it is too much. Who is also a part of Aaron Carter's dating rap sheet, so that kind oh of my, works. We are oh. in yeah. the old millennials oh. universe. Oh. But that just really makes me laugh. Okay. Paolo Sing asks, it, Paolo. <laughs> Paolo asks Lizzie, to meet him at the fountain the next day, so she fakes sick to get out of the class trip itinerary. They meet up, and she learns that Paolo and Isabella are slated to sing at the Italian Music Awards. You know, the IMAs. The <laughs> Italian they... Music Awards? But they recently... <laughs> because they can't get the rights to Grammy! Like, they be like the Italian Grammys. The Grammys! Los <laughs> Grammys! Nope, that's the wrong culture. Um... <laughs> Mama mia! But you tried. You I did. Tried. I tried. I tried. I tried. But they recently broke up, and Isabella has since left Italy. Since Lizzie looked, just left, just, just straight up, like bye. I mean, given these times, she's not allowed to anymore. Well, but. I mean, even that, we are in Europe, so she could just go over to like Germany exactly. or Spain or something. Since Lizzie looks exactly like Isabella, Paolo uh, asks her. Quelle chance! Paolo asks her to dress up and pretend to be Isabella for the performance. This is like, now that I'm hearing this plot out loud as an adult, I'm like, this is kind of kinky and weird. Again, Disney Channel original movie that someone threw a lot of money at. Obviously, not trying to kink shame, but like, oh, how about you just like dress up like my ex-girlfriend and we like fall in love. It's like, ew, what? He also tells her that Isabella actually lip syncs and so she can easily pretend to be her by doing the same thing. Oh, right. I forgot right. the Millie Vanilli of yeah, it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lizzie reluctantly oh agrees to, but to do this and soon begins to enjoy the experience and starts falling in love with Paolo with a Roman holiday-esque sightseeing montage <sighs> set to Dean Martin's Evening in Roma. Lizzie keeps faking sick so she can skip out and rehearse for oh, the yeah. award show, but Kate quickly figures out her secret. To Lizzie's surprise, Kate actually agrees to help her and they become friends again. Meanwhile, Mrs. Miss Ungermeyer figures out that a student has been sneaking out and tries to figure out who the truant is. I don't get to use that word often, so I figured I'd sprinkle it in here. Gordo. Yeah, the only time I talk about or even mention the word truant is the times that I tell the story about when I got a ticket for truancy. Because <laughs> who else calls it truancy <laughs> or really? being truant? Really? Other than a principal and Kamala Harris. <laughs> Gordon. We still love you. I know. Yes. No. That was just shade. That's like not like a bearing on my feelings for how great she is. That's just, it's just a joke. Gordo knows what's going on with Paolo and Lizzie and takes the blame Paolo. for her. Takes the blame for her. So he gets sent back home as punishment. Lizzie. I'm sorry. Like, who just like, fuck? oh, I'm sorry. We can't expect this. We're going to send you back on your own. Bye bye. To America. Lizzie is shocked when Kate tells him what happened and that Gordo sacrificed himself in order to protect what was happening. Back home. That's a true best friend. Back home, Matt browses the internet and finds an Italian gossip site with pictures of Lizzie as Isabella. When he tells his parents, the family flies to Rome, which, like, on what planet is an 11-12-year-old <laughs> browsing Italian gossip sites? Like, he must have been looking for something else Italian. McGuire is not an Italian name. Yes, Italian porn is what he's yes, looking exactly. for. Italian sh- Cinemax boobs or something. Who even but, knows? But, but with but, a Fellini influence, Nash. Oh, maybe he was looking for, like, a Fellini film. He's like, oh, I heard my parents talking about sex happening in a Fellini movie, and I'm just going to look up <laughs> clips on YouTube. I didn't bother deep diving for this scene because... Nope. Uh, no. Don't do it to yourself, Emily. Don't. It's not worth it. We have already 
suffered a sprained ankle and oh a fractured God. finger in we'll, the same we'll be day. We'll showing you a photo of this later, folks. This it's, podcast uh, is trying to kill us. We think that we have a rival podcast out there that may have voodoo dolls of us. Please stop injuring us. We can't afford the hospital bills. Leave Margot and Emily alone. <laughs> we are sorry whatever we did. We We promise sorry. we won't make any we more sorry, jokes about being Catholic. That way. We're sorry you feel that way. We just got off watching The Bachelor. Well, we're not done. If we wrap up with enough time, we'll be able to see what this dumbass does. Seriously. God. All right. So Deputy Dewey <laughs> fucking reporting for duty. He really does look like Deputy Dewey. He's just, just the derpiest man you've ever seen. Oh, fucking Peter. At the airport, Gordo meets the real Isabella, who is also played by Hilary Duff, of course, <laughs> with a very interesting Italian accent, very akin to what you just did earlier, Margo. Mamma mia. Mama. <laughs> so if that makes you feel any better, you're about as good at Italian accent as, as Hilary Duff. Well, look, I've seen her performance in the Sharon Tate movie, uh, so I feel like, yes, we are similar on the acting <laughs> level in the sense that we're not excellent at accents <laughs> she's angry because she has seen photos of someone pretending to be isabella with blonde hair the plot twist <laughs> then comes out and that Shyamalan plot twist coming up y'all <laughs> move over hitchcock Shyamalan, and all the above it's in fact- lizzie mcguire's in town and she's italian it's in fact Isabella who is the singer and Paolo who is the lip syncer. <gasps> he is using Lizzie to perform as Isabella, thinking that she will just be lip syncing and will then turn off the backing track to embarrass her and ruin Isabella's reputation. How dare you, Paolo? Ashley Simpson, the shit out of her. <clears throat> Except there's no Jude Law in sight. Or acid reflux disease. Well, I don't know. Give her time. Maybe she would come up with it. Be like, oh, I ate too much cacio e pepe and it like... <laughs> had like a thing it affected my esophagus i don't know i'm just spitballing here clearly you know there could be more that we could come up with gordo and isabella rush to the concert to stop paulo from embarrassing lizzie when lizzie's parents arrive in rome Ms. oh yeah because they're still yeah. coming everybody's here Ms. Zuckerberg learns that lizzie is missing ethan reveals that they're performing at the imas <laughs> lizzie's family in the class also rush to the concert which looks exactly it's not like, a concert well, emily here is why it's I the say imas that. that's why i say this it looks exactly like one of the disney channel live in concert stages and but not you, at all like an award but if you're show. like me and you only think about the trisha paytas version of it it looks like a studio in furbank where she paid 22 extras to they be the crowd they probably filmed it at the same place just saying the there was a 17 million budget we're working with here that's not bad it's not bad for this movie Lizzie, so they, Gordo and Isabella try to tell Lizzie the truth of what's going to happen with Paolo's intentions to humiliate her. She refuses at first to believe them and then eventually believes and goes through with the plan to perform, leaving it to Gordo and Isabella to humiliate Paolo. Miss Ungermeyer gets everyone into the show and during the performance. <laughs> what kind of pull does she have? She like pushes her way through because she's Alex fucking Borsky. Yeah, that's right. She Emmy pulls Award a, winner. She pulls a school of rock and just bum rushes it. <laughs> During the performance, Isabella and Gordo expose Paolo by turning on his microphone, reeling, revealing his real voice. Oh, right. Which sounds pretty much like every teenage boy's cracky voice. Embarrassed. It sounds like Justin Bieber during the, like, baby, 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 ooh, ooh. baby. <laughs> Paolo runs off stage and is ambushed outside by paparazzi. Isab- so quickly. Isabella introduces Lizzie to the crowd, and the two of them <laughs> sing the duet, and now a, a female duet of what dreams are made of. 
And Isabel's singing voice is actually Haley Duff, Hillary's sister, who also had a minor role on the show as Kate's cousin. Uh, Isabella then leaves the stage and leaves it to so, Lizzie. I mean, I'm sorry. So fucking minor. She is Kate's cousin. Yes. You could not get your I, sister you a better know, role. Haley Duff got super shafted. I think she's the reason why her family, her show family, moved to L.A. for her career. And then it's her little sister who ended up getting the career. Tough stuff. That's Tough why stuff. I'm glad I'm an only child. <laughs> are you telling me? Are you trying to tell me what's going to happen in my life? I don't think so. Well, I don't know. No. Wait, I don't know. Maybe you'll be the Ashley Simpson. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, Isabella then leaves the stage to let Lizzie finish the song with Solo and brings on a fucking epic key change. <laughs> Later, they all celebrate at an after party. Um, like you do. Gordo is no longer in trouble. Lizzie and Gordo sneak away from the party to go up to the roof where they promise to never let things change between them, and they kiss. Yes. The only then, reason to watch this fucking movie. But, but then immediately it's kind of like, oh, but we're just kind of friends, right? Like, it's it's weird. Like, they kiss, and we're, we finally get what we want, but then it's like kind of, uh, JK, I think we're meant to be friends, like, if I recall. Well, we don't know what the we future holds, We don't know holds, what the Emily. future holds in Reboot Land, so. Although is- I have made out with a number of my guy friends, and they're like, yeah, never mind, this is a bad idea. <laughs> So, you brought this up earlier. There was a potential sequel yes. that didn't work out. Um, aside from that sequel to the film, Disney had also planned a second show where she would have been in high school, and it would have aired on either ABC or ABC Family, which is now Freeform. However, just a month after the film was released, negotiations fell through, um, and in this quote, Hilary Duff's mother, Susan Duff, said on Entertain- for Entertainment Weekly, quote, Disney thought they'd be able to bully us into accepting whatever offer they wanted to make, but they couldn't. Oh, wow. We walked away from a sequel. They walked away from a franchise. Duff was also supposed to get a $500,000 bonus if the movie made $50 million. Did it make $50 million? It did. So, uh, but globally. But they shafted her? Yeah, I think so. <gasps> so, Hillary Duff, I mean, really, that's that's all I have on the movie. I kind of have a where are they now and not everyone, and I'll keep it I'll Do you want to get into uh, where is Stevie or what Stevie yeah, thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, I was just going to quickly go over Hillary Duff and then oh, go sure. into Lilane. So, of course, as you all know, Hilary Duff would go on to probably have the most successful career of the cast with this show launching her movie career. She would go on to star in Agent Cody Banks with Frankie Muniz, She would ride the Dozen, <laughs> Cinderella Story, Razor Noted Boy, olive oil shop owner Frankie Muniz. And Lizzo Muniz. Stan. <laughs> oh, my God. Cinderella Story, Razor Voice, Perfect Man, etc., etc. What's Razor Voice? That's one where she goes to a music school and she's like a small town girl. Oh, and, oh, yeah, okay, hey, okay, 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 yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember yeah. now. Yep, yep, yep. And that's, wait, isn't Greg Kinnear in that? No, 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 no. You're thinking, no, it's John Corbett. Thank you. John okay, Corbett's that's the cool music teacher. Okay, got which, it. Speaking of Sex in the City, yeah. It's um, full circle. Full circle. She would go on to be Never known, a wasted moment in this podcast. <laughs> she would also be known for her high-profile love triangle with Aaron Carter and Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> and would later Merry date- Christmas, Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> and would later date Joel Madden. For the last five questionable. Years, questionable. Oh, so such a questionable so, relationship. She was 16. That's and like, he was 25. That's disgusting. That's gross. For the last five years, she's been on Younger on TV Land, which was actually created and produced by Sex and the City creator Darren Starr. I actually really like this show. I think it's cute. Um, I really enjoyed it whenever I've done a binge watch of like a season. Um, she also had a fairly successful music career. It is also good to binge watch. It is. It just is. to bring it, it back really quick. She also had a fairly successful music career, releasing five albums with her most recent in 2015. 
and then of course she has she had two children one with a her ex-husband who i believe is an ex-hockey player correct and then mike cormy yes and then she recently uh she had a child with her partner now uh, husband um, who i mean she was on a honeymoon with this her husband this husband yes and i have to say her wedding dress is one of my favorite wedding dresses hard agree yep i love the cape so miranda slash lelaine so in one of the weirder twists with the end of the show, the movie, and later when they were filming the show reboot, was the absence of Miranda played by Lilane. On the show, she is not in the final episodes, and she doesn't appear on the movie. They use the, res- the excuse on the show that she went to- on an extended family trip to Mexico. In real life, the actress, as we said earlier, was built busy filming other Disney projects, including the Disney Channel original movie, You Wish, which starred A.J. Troth, a.k.a. Louis Stevens' best friend, Twitty, on Even Stevens. <laughs> And Spencer, and Spencer Breslin, the lesser of the Breslin siblings. Right, yes. She was also touring. Talk about someone else who started a career and then whose little sister took off. Oh, um, right. Oh, she my was God. also touring in Australia and New Zealand as part of the Radio Disney tour circuit. Radio Disney. I mean, there was yes. a mention of that in some of the other articles that yeah. I was looking up during research. It was research. a big deal. I forgot, it, like, how big. It generated so oh many my. hits for yes. them, too. Yes. Because they would just, it was basically self-propaganda. It was self-propaganda. She would later be a part of the pilot What's Stevie Thinking, which was a potential spinoff to Lizzie McGuire. And the original title of the show, since the original title of the show was What's Lizzie Thinking, they would later also title it Stevie Sanchez to kind of go with Lizzie McGuire. Oh, I see what you mean. The show's plot centered around Miranda Sanchez's little sister, Stevie Sanchez, played by Selena fucking Gomez. So this was pre-Wizards of Waverly Place, obviously. So this is before Gomez became a Disney Channel staple, first as a supporting role on Hannah Montana, and later starring on Wizards of Waverly Place. Was this even before her Hannah Montana debut? Yes, yes. Okay. Because this would have been like 2004-ish. Okay, so this is like the beginning of her contract with Disney. So she was one of the, she and Demi Lovato were actually both on Barney as children, and then later became Disney actors. Okay. According to IMTV, the plot of the show, this is the weirdest plot, and I couldn't find any other plots, but someone wrote this and posted it on, like, six different websites. The plot of the show, quote, is about Miranda Sanchez and her sister and parents and her best friends as they try to help support wildlife conservation and help at the Australia Zoo with crocodile hunter Steve Irwin and his friends and family, end quote. May he rest. This is pre-Stingray. Um, I, I also feel like it has a little bit of wild thornberries thrown it in does, there. It does. It does. Because their biggest, their biggest competitor, or Disney's biggest competitor at the time, was everything Nickelodeon. Yep. And so they were getting beat out by Rugrats, by Hey Arnold. And yep. so Lizzie McGuire was the only thing to contend with all yep. of those shows. Yep. So it makes sense that they would take Sort of like another um, cartoon yeah. staple that did very well. Absolutely. And then just sort of try and make it the live action with some already existing IP or existing character that they've already built a whole universe around. Absolutely. The pilot that is hilarious I and know, strange. It's so weird. The pilot never aired, but you can see an interview of Selena Gomez on YouTube where she talks about auditioning for the show. Oh. And they have clips of her audition as a kid. How old was she? Like nine? She was like nine, like really, really young. Unfortunately, Lilane had some issues following Lizzie McGuire. She pled guilty to possession of crystal meth in 2007, but sought treatment and has been sober since. She briefly showed up in this 30-second scene in the movie Easy A about 10 years ago. Um, which, what scene was she in? So towards the end, um, when her, the guy she covered for who was gay. Oh, yeah. He, um, there's like a rumor. Well, it's like then at the end, everyone finds out he's like sleeping with a man. And there's a girl who comes up to her and she's like, oh, my God, did you hear blah, blah, blah? That's Lilane. That's like 
She's in it for literally 30 seconds talking to Emma Stone. I'm sure when I saw it, I screamed, Miranda! But I can't remember that scene right now. She hasn't really done much mainstream acting since then, but she was, as we found out during this research, on Christy Carlson Romano, a.k.a. Ren Stevens, her web cooking series, which is a sentence I never thought I'd utter, but here we are. Her show has also featured Will Friedle, a.k.a. her Kim Possible co-star. Lillane really hasn't been an part of any of the reunion discussions and filming, but Jake Thomas, who I'll, I'll go into later, um, posted a photo like five years ago at a bowling alley with Hilary Duff and Lillane, and it was like a cute little reunion. The where are they now for the rest of the cast, I'll go into briefly. Gordo, Adam Lamberg, as we talked about, was tw- he was 20 fucking years old when the show stopped airing. Holy shit. Yeah, he was born in 1984, and the show en- oh. ended in 2004. So maybe 19, but like 20 or 19. He ended up attending UC Berkeley, graduated in 2008 what, what? with a degree in geography. Uh, according to his LinkedIn, he I'm worked- truly stunned I've never run into him. I know, especially because... This is not even, like, the joke that Ronnie and I have. We're like, oh, we were just four years away of running into Chris Pine at Kipps. Like, that was obviously a full-on joke, but he graduated, like, two years before. I don't even understand how I never saw him one time. According to his LinkedIn, he he currently works at the Irish Arts Center in New York for almost eight years and is currently a development officer there. And, of course, as we talked about earlier, he reprised his role as Gordo in the reboot episodes that they filmed. And I feel like that's the power of Terry Minsky, where it's like, I'm involved, this is my idea, I'm going to see it through. I feel like her being attached to the show for sure. is what engendered a bunch of goodwill for a, not even just cast to come back to Lizzie McGuire. Yep. It was, like, below the line, people like producers. Yep. They were all coming back, and they were signing on because they believed that they, they believed in, in her. Exactly, that she would be, she would keep this the way it should be and wouldn't try to turn this into some, you know, nostalgia just circle jerk yes like some fuller house kind of bullshit which i think is what ultimately disney wanted yeah in terms of the the rest of the main cast jake thomas really uh after this his big other role was a recurring role on the that so raven spinoff cory in the house oh yeah he was in that movie if you recall remember that movie ai with Haley joel osment that steven spielberg directed also starring jude law yes was was in that (laughs) second mention just on this episode (laughs) he hasn't done very much other than be in a few episodes of tv um, and in terms of her parents, Hallie Todd uh, is actually the daughter of actress Anne Morgan Gilbert, who played Millie Helper on the Dick Van Dyke show, and was Fran Fine's grandma, Yetta Rosenberg, on The Nanny. Huh. Yes. She hasn't done much acting since the show, apart from an episode of Malcolm in the Middle and a few voice roles, but she's written two books about acting. And then finally, Robert Carradine, which you might know last name because of the Carradine family. Her brothers include Keith Carradine. And the late David Carradine, who you might know from the Kill Bill movies, who's actually in an episode of Lizzie McGuire as uh, Matt's karate instructor, if I recall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's him. Um, he died of autoerotic asphyxiation. Uh, we didn't really need to mention that. They I'm sure everybody already out. knows. <laughs> um, Carradine has certainly had the most prolific acting career of the cast. Before Lizzie McGuire, he was in a bunch of roles, but most notably was in Revenge of the Nerds in the 80s as the main oh, yeah. character, Louis Skolnick. He reprised this role in a UK reality competition series called King of the Nerds in the last 10 years and has had minor roles in several movies and one episode appearances in TV shows um, and was actually in Django Unchained. And huh. that's really what I have. I didn't want to, you know, go into any of the other supporting cast because I don't know about you, but I felt like on Lizzie McGuire, there are some early episodes where they introduce some minor characters and then they just like disappear after that. Like, I would agree because, Danny, because like, it's a sitcom, you yeah. know, they show up, they serve their purpose, and then they kind of move on. Well, and there was, like, one hot guy before Ethan Kraft, like, named Danny Kessler, I think was the name. There, there have been, like, multiple hot guys on the show. Ethan Kraft, obviously, being kind of the steady, but 
I feel like they had some other mean girls, other like um, hot guys on that show. But yeah, I know you're absolutely right. It's just like any other sitcom. Well, this has been a really fun return to Lizzie McGuire. I feel like we have been talking about all of this just between the two of us for so long that I'm glad that we finally have it, you know, committed to audio so everybody can know. So this is like our final statement on Liz McGuire. Who are we kidding? It's probably not our final statement on Liz McGuire because we have a Medium page now where we will be having some supporting content around our third season. So please check that out at Old Millennials Pod. You can also find us on Facebook at the Old Millennials Pod. And on Instagram at The Old Millennials Pod. And you can find us individually on Twitter. I'm at Marg She Wrote. And I'm at Emily A. Vision. And of course, if you want to support this podcast, the best way to do that is to rate and review us on iTunes or can you do it on Spotify? Yeah. Either way, rate and review no. us wherever it is that you listen to this podcast. Or if you don't know where that is, then just like pop into uh, Apple Podcasts and leave Tell a, a little. Friend. Yeah, leave a, leave a review there. Tell a friend. Share it with your uh, internet friends. Whatever it takes. And until next time, we say goodbye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.